Good morning. You know, that song does not say, it is well in my life. It doesn't say it is well with my family. It doesn't say it is well and everything I want it to be well with in the world. It says it is well with my soul. And we come this morning to be reminded of that and be encouraged about that and to express to one another that it is right with our soul. And the reason is because this memorial that we just partook of in remembering Jesus Christ and the reason it can be well with our soul, regardless of what's going on in the world around us, is because Jesus Christ not only lived this life, He not only was our righteousness before God, He not only died for us, but He was raised again to live and reign eternally so that we could. And because of that, it can be well with our soul. Good morning to you, and I hope you've had a a good weekend in, in some regards. If nothing else, that it has been well with your soul. You know, we wrestle with so many questions in life, but probably at the heart of it is who, what, where, when, and why. It seems like everything in life revolves around trying to come to a, an answer to one of those questions from the, 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 the time that we begin trying to understand human reasoning. We wrestle with these questions. Who, what, where, when, why, and how. And I suspect we will wrestle with those in some form or fashion, until our faith does become sight. And so trying to understand life both in the larger scene of the, of the world as, as we consider the world and, and then also in our immediate cause, our immediate life, in which we find ourselves is, is a challenge because life is a struggle. And we know this. Scripture explains this to us. It, it does not you know, sugarcoat life. And we experience this. We know life is a struggle. Life is a challenge. Our experience confirms it. We don't like it, but we cannot deny it. That life is a struggle. And as we're seeing in the sixth chapter of Ephesians here, the Apostle Paul says that it's not what we usually imagine life's problems to be. We want to look around and we want to put our finger on someone or something. This is the problem with life. Or this is the problem with my life. And we, we want to do that because we're so inclined to blame someone else. That's humanity. But Paul says it's not flesh and blood. It's not something that you can necessarily put your physical fleshly finger on that is cause of our struggle here. Rather, we're struggling against the principalities, against the powers, against world rulers of this present darkness, as Scripture calls it, the wicked spirits which are in high places. And one commentator I came across explained this as spiritual agents from the very headquarters of evil. Spiritual agents dispatched from the very headquarters of evil. And I think it would take many more sermons than the one we had last week to cover the approaches that the devil uses and to influence our lives as he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's so interesting to me because you think about, you watch nature shows and you see a lion crouching. And you see a lion, you know, stealthily you know, sneaking through the high brush behind the bushes. But yet the Bible says He prowls around roaring. So we're not ignorant to Satan unless we're not looking, unless we ignore him, unless we're not paying attention. So perhaps we saw enough, though, in, in, in understanding the Scriptures last week that, that makes us realize our own weakness and our own inadequacy and our own strength and wisdom where we try to place our hope sometimes and our, to overcome this, this strategy or strategery, as George Bush would say, of the devil as he seeks to destroy us and how that the world, as the Bible calls the world, 
is that part of human society that's influenced by those satanic philosophies. Satan has his influence, his stronghold, in the thoughts and the motives of this world and reflecting satanic ideas. And so our flesh, this body, this humanity, and our inner compulsion towards self-centeredness, we fall prey to that. We slip right into that. And so through that self-centeredness, the devil attacks. And he attacks us through these channels of our mind and of our emotions and through channels and avenues of our activities. Because Satan's whole goal is to create imbalance in our lives. He wants to keep us off balance. That's why we can't give him a foothold, a stronghold in our lives so that he can push us around and get us where we're leaning away from God's truth and God's righteousness. And he wants to inflate some aspect of our lives, blow it way out of proportion. And how often does that happen? This is the worst thing ever. It's the worst day ever. That's the worst person ever. That's what Satan does. Just blows it all out of proportion. Because that's when he gets our focus off of Christ and off of God and off of God's goal. See, Satan's goal is to always produce discouragement, to always produce confusion, to always produce indifference. That's his goal. That's his main motive. And so wherever we find ourselves victims of this state of spiritual uncertainty and confusion or spiritual uh, discouragement or defeat or any indifferent attitude or callousness in our attitude, when we find ourselves there, whether it's towards life or towards other people, then we can rest assured we've already surrendered that thought or that moment or that part of our life to the devil. That's his ground. And so Jesus said the devil's a liar. He's a murderer. He's a father of lies. And his aim is to destroy us, to weaken us, to wreck our lives, to distort life around us and to pervert human life. That's Satan's goal. But as we've already seen, life does not have to be that way. God says it does not have to be that way. In fact, it will not be that way unless we surrender to it. That's why Christ came. So that it would not be that way. This very passage we're studying in Ephesians here describes God's adequate defense. Very adequate. Because if it's from God, it's enough. His adequate defense against these schemes of the devil. And we are encouraged and we are urged to use it. And so in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Paul, in summing all this up, he says, Finally, be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of His power. So we read this Scripture and we hear Paul and we see these these saints who live before us here and we understand that it is possible to stand. Satan says you can't. You can't stand. You're going to be stumbling around the rest of your life. God says you can stand. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? It is possible to overcome. Satan says no, you can't. You can't win this. Life's going to drag you all the way to the bottom. God says I'm already pulling you to the top. You just haven't realized it yet. Who are you going to believe? The Word should be very encouraging to us. This Word of God. But that alone is not enough. How is it not enough? Because we're human. We need to feel it. We need to hold it. We need to see it. So that tells us that there's an answer, but it doesn't tell us exactly what that answer is. So our question is always, how do you do this? How exactly do you become strong in the Lord? And, and in the strength of His mind. How do you do that? Well, the answer in verse 11 is, well, you've got to clothe yourselves with the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against every scheme 
of the devil, against Satan's schemes. And this is where we begin today. And so Jesus promised to give us abundant life. But He also said that He's sending us out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And that picture may not fit your idea of an abundant life. Jesus promised peace. And in that same breath, He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. My peace I give to you. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But you've got my peace. And He assured us of His love. Then He said that out in this world, we're going to be hated. We're going to be persecuted because of Him. But don't forget and don't think that He wasn't persecuted first before us. And so in Ephesians here, Paul is showing us how this Spirit-filled home is this glorious picture of a loving relationship between Christ and the church. And then he goes on to continue and tells us that this Christian life is nothing less than warfare. It's warfare. It's a 